This is Around the Farm, the podcast about all things ag. I'm your host, Clint Chaffer, and today we're going to be talking about all things cotton. We have two great guests with us. We have Fran DeVille and Brandon Cavan. So let's jump right into it. Fran, Brandon, welcome to the show. How about uh, y'all uh, introduce yourselves to the listeners? Well, um, my name is uh, Brandon Cavins. I am the uh, Climate Activation Manager for the North Delta and Southeast. I uh, grew up uh, around farming all my life and uh, went to went to college for farming or for ag business uh, at Murray State University. And then uh, after that, I actually stayed in Murray and took a Took a job with a small company that was doing a precision ag, and uh, that's where I kind of learned my passion of precision ag. So I've been doing in the precision ag field since about 2007, and uh, going on 15 years of of working with precision ag and been with Bayer Crop Science for about three years now. And I'm Fran Deville, and I uh, am from uh, Opelousas, Louisiana. I grew up about 50 miles away in a small farming town called New Roads, Louisiana. Uh, my mom's family uh, were large sugarcane growers, and my cousins still farm sugarcane and uh, grain. And my dad worked for LSU as a county extension agent. So being around agriculture, not only from a uh, practical standpoint of farming, but also from an advisory standpoint uh, through my dad, since I was basically born. I joined Monsanto uh, about 43 years ago and held various roles. And uh, my last job with them was as a research agronomist for Louisiana and South Arkansas. And I saw the power of FieldView and what it could do for individual growers. And that's when I made the move and came over to FieldView uh, almost six years ago. Nice. Well, well, that's... Uh... Between, uh, between both of you, a, a wealth of knowledge right there and a lot of experience. So, uh, again, thank you both for, uh, for taking time out of, out of your busy schedules, especially this time of year, uh, to jump on and have a conversation with us here today. So, thank you. You're welcome. And uh, I'd like to talk. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think we have a lot of conversations uh, around cotton on here. So, I thought uh, bringing, bringing uh, both of you on here, having a conversation around cotton and uh, – and all the different pieces in there, uh, I figured that's uh, that that make for a good conversation today. We're we're glad to talk about it. Glad to have you in the South. Hey, there we go. There we go. Well, I tell you what. I guess let's just start start right at the beginning here. Uh, I know that cotton prices have been uh, you know on the up and up. Demand's growing. Uh, you know what? What do you see? You know, as far as for just how that impacts just the overall cotton production this year. So, Clint, uh, I cover also East Texas and Oklahoma, as well as the South Delta, Louisiana, Mississippi. So we have definitely seen a, uh, a shift because our growers grow multiple crops. But we have, uh, because of nitrogen prices and stuff, we have seen definitely a, a increased shift in cotton acres uh, in my area. Yeah, the same, the same up here in the North Delta and the Southeast. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of diversity, a lot of different crops. Uh, a lot of guys moving from corn to to cotton this year are guys that have you know not really guys that are switching it's more guys that have been in cotton that are planting more acres of cotton this year than they ever have before 
And it's all all due with the prices of not just the inputs, but also the, the price of cotton on the commodity side. Now, I, I know that cotton is a is a high management uh, crop as well. I mean, a lot of data collected uh, when they're when they're out there uh, planting and and growing cotton. Um, how does how does that then transform into you know trying to collect all that data and all the digital pieces? Is is that is it uh, is the onboarding process uh, even even you know more time consuming or things of that nature as you start looking into a cotton cotton crop? Well, one thing I would tell you about cotton, and, and you mentioned it, it is a highly, highly managed uh, crop. Uh, there is no other crop that I know of that is managed this way. It's as much an art as it is a science. Uh, the beauty of FieldView is that uh, we uh, can now capture all that information for a grower because uh, growers can input or have input maybe somewhere between 16 and 20 actual layers of data uh, throughout the season because of the intense management. And one of the exciting parts was to get satellite imagery because uh, depending on how the cotton is growing dictates how you have to manage it because you got to remember it is a perennial crop. It wants to grow for a couple of years and we force it to do everything in one year. So growth regulators are highly, highly used. So uh, people use their eyes and boots on the ground to manage it. And satellite imagery is also a helper to start picking out subtle areas or small areas in the field where growth could be getting out of hand and growers can kind of pick where they need to put higher rates and using only what, you know, what they need where they need it. Brandon, is that the, the same in your area too? The, it, it is really and truly. I mean, you know, cotton is kind of managed the, the same yet different all, all the way across the deltas. Um, but about 16 different layers of, of data is usually what we find with it. And, uh, you know, getting planters and sprayers set up especially and then having them set up and then looking at uh, aerial imagery Especially in the growth regulators that Fran's talking about, to be able to to be able to spray where needed and make sure because not every cotton field grows the same, and not every area in a cotton field grows the same. So it's you know a lot of times it's almost backwards in what you're looking at when you're looking at imagery. You see the dark greens that's for healthiest plant, but it also might be a plant that we need to stop growing because it's. So it's almost a little backwards than what we're looking at when you're looking at corn and beans. You're looking for those healthy areas going, hey, this is our high production areas. Well, yeah, that's a, high, that's a very healthy plant in cotton. It's how do we make sure that it fruits, because that's what it's all about. It's not about how big the cotton plant is. It's about how much fruit the cotton plant has. Well, I know, you know, you talk about that, that high management aspect and, and all those different layers. I think I said, you know, in upwards of 16 layers there, Fran, um, a lot of that's due to, there's a lot of passes across a, a cotton crop as well, right? I mean, as you're, as you're managing that growth and, and weed control and things of that nature, how many different passes are we talking about that, uh, that goes on to a, onto a cotton crop on any, you know, any normal year? Well, so just like, crops in the Midwest, we, we plant, we fertilize, we put out chemical applications. What really drives 
increased usage or increased uh, layers is the number of uh, PGR applications you have to make during the year and also the number of insecticide applications that you have to make from early on cotton because of thrips all the way till the end of the season with uh, plant bugs and other insects and then maybe even some late season uh, fertilization with potassium or phosphorus because depending on the growing season can be big drains. So, and then eventually uh, if it stays warm, you actually have to put out uh, defoliants, things that actually shut the cotton down and stop it from growing in order to let the bowls open up and then be able to be picked in a timely manner. Oh, wow. So it is, you know, when you talk about some of those, those pests, it does, does that vary based on Brandon, where you're at versus Fran going into, you know, where, where you're at in Louisiana versus, you know, going out into, into Texas, does the, does the different, are there different pests and are there different pressures at that point in time, depending on where you're at? Uh, yes. So, uh, and also you got to remember timing. So I see things in Texas before it gets to Louisiana and a lot of times and before it gets to Brandon. But yes, different pests are, uh, they're, they're pretty much all in all places, but to the level they get definitely uh, is different by geography. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's one of the biggest things about the management and where, you know, where why Fran says it's, it's not just a science, but it's an art is because of the timing of the different pests and, when you've got a spray, making sure that you're going in at the right season, the right times, the right weather conditions, the weather patterns are going to really change what you're going to do, depending on if it's hot and dry or if it's cool and wet, depending on the summer. Uh, so being able to have all that information, that's one of the big uses of field view is having all that information at your fingertips. How much water do you get? How much water have you annually got on that field? And then what are your temperatures? What are your growing degrees? And uh, that kind of information is, in my opinion, vital to to growing a cotton crop. So, Clint, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a little quick story here just to kind of tell you something. So, like everywhere, you got to have water. We irrigate. And one of the first growers I ever worked with with FieldView was one of the guys I used to do research plots with when I was, you know, working for Delta Pine. And basically the situation was telling him he needed to irrigate. And every time he got to that, he irrigated. And then within three days, he'd catch about an inch of rain or inch and a half of rain. At the end of the year, though, when we got the yield data and looked at the yield maps, what he found out is highest yielding cotton was actually outside of the irrigated area because while the art and science was telling them, look, it's getting a little dry. You can't let this crop go. And went ahead and watered. Mother Nature doubled up on him and gave him more water. And at the end, he gave him too much water. So, you know, he used to always say water giveth and water taketh away. So he was able to show maybe I pulled the trigger a little too early on the irrigation. You know, you got to look. Look at that forecast down the road a little bit, uh, you know, to see what's going on. Well, that, that you know, it's it's funny that, that, that you both mentioned water because that was one of the things I wanted to wanted to talk about. Because uh, uh, one of my trips down into the down into the Delta, I was just amazed at the number of precision level fields 
that, that they're doing infrared irrigation. I mean, we just don't see anything like that up around us. That uh, <laughs> no, no, nowhere near us, right? Uh, and then the, just the size of a lot of the pivot irrigations. And I am in an area where there's a lot of pivots. We got one on our farm, uh, but just the sheer size of them. I, I was so impressed with just the whole water system that, uh, that was there. So with that, d does a cotton crop take a lot of water more so than, than maybe other crops? Well, no, it's more of a dry land crop, okay? But it does need water, timely, because once it goes, especially in a reproductive stage it's it needs you know water to, to go but one of the problems we have here in the delta at least in the southern delta unlike the midwest we are surface drainage uh in other words we we form dirt midwest forms soils i always joke <laughs> so we don't have any as percolating down going through tiles and things like that uh i think brandon can comment about you know we normally see a lot the first thing we do when we see low yielding areas is is usually around drainage. Yeah, water is just it's vital, but it's not really what cotton likes. It likes that hot dry weather. That's the reason we grow it in the south. But it's all about timely water. And that's where the irrigation and the inferral because if you're not if it doesn't have timely water, it's a crapshoot. And and that's the the biggest thing. And that's not much different than what you deal with uh, in the Midwest as well, you know, time, timely water for every crop is, is key, but even more so in cotton. Yeah. Controlling that mother nature uh, variable is, uh, makes things a little easier, at least, uh, if, when she cooperates with, with, with that, yeah. I guess I'll put it that way. So. Well, one thing that was funny when I got with Fieldview, uh, well, actually I was an agronomist and, and I just happened to have an iPad that would work with a little drive unit and I put, used it to do a couple of plots. What was nice to see is a couple plots where it wasn't that we got a lot of rain, but what we were doing, it was we were getting it so often that in the end, it actually, it never needed to be irrigated. And so at the end of the day, instead of calling it a dry land plot, we called it an irrigated plot because about every four or five days, we're catching a half inch of rain, just like it was irrigating. And that was one of the powers of the tool for me, uh, really got me excited because it helped me figure out what was going on in the plot. And the one big thing, too, we, it's not sexy, but what it is is in cotton, temperature. So doesn't mind hot temperatures at night, but at, uh, during the day, but at night it must cool down. That plant has to rest. And I have solved many a problems back in the day why the cotton is acting like it is is because through field view we were seeing the temperature high and low every day and you could see where the temperature was never going below 80 degrees and that's a bad deal in cotton yeah being able to track that weather i thought uh it was fascinating dad and i sat down even on uh on our farm and you know looking through just some of the historical rainfalls and things of that nature and you kind of go back and see when you know when you got the best yields and things of that nature and it's really interesting being able to correlate a lot of that and you can really see you know whether it's temperature whether it's rainfall you know amounts or even timeliness it's uh it's just fascinating there one of the other pieces that i guess i'd ask too um you know when we're when we're looking at uh you know whether it's planting the field whether it's fertilizing um, we're looking at at soil types as well for another another layer is that a is that an important layer within uh within cotton as well 
Well, I, I'll tell you this. So, I, and it, it'll change. So, I'm going to let Brand make sure Brandon comments on this. But as you get down south, I mean, we tend to start sandy at the top near the bayous and all this, and run to a clay bottom. So, we're not like the Midwest. We we just tend to have a uh, maybe couple of soil changes as a whole going across the field. So yes, there is an impact uh, to it, uh, but not not like the Midwest. And I think Brandon may have a little bit more variation even we do. Yeah, yeah, we we do. Even in my territory of the North Delta, you know, if you go over to Arkansas, as you said, you know, a lot of zero grade fields. So the the soil type maps don't really, you know, really help in that area. But you come over to the Tennessee side, you know, some of that northern Mississippi. Um, it, it really does. We tend to go more about, you know, we've, especially in this Tennessee market, you've got six or seven different soil types in the same field. So we, we tend to have more variability, more, you know, hey, we pick our fields based on the soil type that we're going to grow cotton in. Because we can, we can manage, we can variable rate our corn and beans a little easier than we can our cotton. And uh, so a lot of times we'll pick and choose our fields based on, you know, what soil types, what conditions we have in the field uh, overall. Now, you know, you talk about, you know, like seeding rate and whatnot. Um, for, for cotton, does that change uh, throughout the field or does it change from dry land to irrigation as far as for just the, the, the number of plants that we're trying to grow? Uh, yes, to, to a degree. Uh, I mean, there is a kind of a sweet spot population. But the one thing is, so you got to understand a little bit about cotton. They plant it about half inch deep, maybe. You just want to get dirt on it. It's Cotton is very hard generally to get up, to get it started. But once it germinates and puts leaves, that's it. Then you can't almost kill it. You can't kill it. But uh, so the bottom line is, though, the one thing, so they tend to, we tend to plant a little bit more seed than needed if everything was perfect because life is not perfect. If you had one seed per foot across a field, that is all the cotton you need. But we tend to have to plant two, three, four to ensure we get there uh, because cotton has an ability to, to compensate. It'll get bigger. It'll spread out. If you manage with PGRs and hold it down, put on more fruiting sites, uh, you really uh, can get the same yield with even low populations just by crop management. And that gets back to the there's kind of a feel and art plus the science that has to come to play. No, that, uh, no that's, that, that's great. That's something I, I, I got to ask a few of these. I know you may laugh at me on these basic questions that I got to ask, but uh, I just, uh, it's the only way I can learn, you know? So the, the, other, the other question I'd have to, um, and then I want to jump back into some of the more field view specific stuff, but uh, you know, I know across our farming operation, if I look at uh, our soybeans, we plant, you know, probably five, six, seven different varieties of, uh, of soybeans all landing in, in different maturity zones. Uh, is, is cotton, you know, set up pretty similar to where there's different varieties that I'm trying to, to pick and choose for different qualities or different, uh, you know, maybe different maturities? Well, yes. I mean, we have early maturities, mid-maturities, and late-season maturities. But as a general rule, most growers tend to just go with the highest yielding uh, varieties and just manage early in this 
through the use of PGRs. Uh, but uh, there is there's a little bit of spread. I, I think down here uh, in the area I cover, guy might plant two or three uh, varieties of cotton. Uh, generally, is about as many as they would do. Yeah, pretty much the same up here. I mean, it's just a couple of different varieties. Everybody's got their go-to that everybody wants. And then you kind of go down the list from there on, on what you get. Um, but it, it's pretty much goes back to the, it's all about yield. It's all about, you know, how many bells can you make out of it? And uh, the, the highest yielding stuff is, tends to be where people go. And then, you know, is it the amount of management put into it is what really gets that yield to where it needs to go. I mean, it's all about managing more than it is the variety where in the corn and beans world, it's more about the variety half the time than it is the management. Well, one thing I'd add in there, it's, it's because you can't, every one of those varieties has a personality. Now, no, no, you plant corn and it's pretty much, I love corn, but it just, it just pop, pop, pop. It just goes along. Cotton, every one of these varieties has a personality unto itself that changes depending on the weather. And to Brandon's point, if you put too many of these out here with really no appreciable change in yield, you're driving yourself crazy trying to manage them. And poor management will lead to low yields. Well, and, and that management piece is actually where I was wanting to hit on next uh, with, you know, really in, in regards to, to field view and just data management as well. Um, Fran, I think you mentioned, you know, at the, the top of this that uh, uh, consultants are used, you know, across all of all of the cotton, uh, you know, acres. Um, being able to, you know, have access to the farmer's data, being able to share that back and forth, being able to constantly view and track all of that. Um, how important is a, is a tool like FieldView to have access, uh, you know, that easy of access to, to these crop consultants that are out there uh, helping, you know, helping all the cotton growers? Well, I simply put it, knowledge is power. You know, the more information you get in, the better decisions you can make. Because in the end, you're still going to need boots on the ground. You need the consultant, his retailer, his trusted advisor. But the more information that you have in your hand is, you know, the, the better decisions you can make. And we've got great people out there today doing that. That's why the industry is still there. But even just in the case of satellite imagery, where it's just an extra help because we can't walk every inch of every field. A quick glance says, hey, let me make sure I look at this. It's just an additional tool. And then at the end of the year, you kind of get to read the whole book and go, you know what? I'm thinking about making me think about something for next year. And I'll give you a good example. In West Texas, they have a disease called uh, Texas black root rot. Uh, there, are, there are some treatments at planting. Uh, but in the end of the day, it's kind of expensive. So all throughout the year, the cotton will die in those areas. But they'll look at the satellite imagery that's showing where that cotton actually did die. And they can use that the following year to create a application script of where they're going to put their dollars of fungicides, you know, out to treat it. And eventually, you know, it, it's, a, it's a big help. And we're pretty excited. We just really rolled that out this year. 
So we're looking forward to telling that story because growers are the one that act, growers are the ones that actually came to me and said, "Hey, Fran, here, take a look at my satellite imagery. This is where all the root rot is uh, uh, killing the cotton." And man, could field view put in there where we could write a script? Well, today we can do it. We listened to the grower and and built that capability going forward. You know, that's one of the one of the things I love about just digital ag in general. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we we push tools out and we expect someone to use it like you know X, Y, and Z, and next thing you know, they're using it like you know D, E, and F, and and it's just so cool to to be able to see uh, the the creativity, the ingenuity that uh, that folks have when you provide tools and they start using it like you, you didn't even need, you know realize that it could be used for. So I think that's just uh, fascinating within that digital ag space. So just to, to add on to that, you know what I'm saying? Herbicides, varieties, uh, any, I mean, any kind of pesticide or fraud, everything has been developed to answer an unmet, uh, unmet need. And digital ag is the same thing. We're now, we're now being able to double down on what we know and bring it down to a form, to a field level. Uh, because, you know, you made me think when we started talking about this. So with my dad, you know, you went to the university research station 100 miles away and brought that information in. Then as my career came along, companies had research farms and started doing research plots on individual farms, maybe 20 miles away. And today with digital ag and consultants and other folks, now you can turn your whole form, your individual form, your individual fields into a research trial because you have a way to map and capture that data on a site specific and solve problems. Not that things were bad in the past. It's just additive. You know, I, I, I used to drive to a payphone to make calls. Now you got to go to a museum to see a payphone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, you know, one of the questions I'd have for you on that, you know, we, we just talked, uh, you know, heard Fran talk about uh, the collection of data, right? And I know that's a, that's a very important piece is uh, around compatibility, right? And I know that we have spent a lot of time and effort uh, continuously driving our compatibility up uh, within FieldView. Uh, what, what have you seen in your area on just uptake of, of guys putting maybe field view drives in or getting their data into the system? Uh, how has that changed over the, over the course of the time that you've been there? Oh, it's changed immensely. I mean, from, from when I took over, you know, there was probably, you know, 200 real users of field view in the North Delta. And at this point, we're probably somewhere closer to six, 700. Um, and it's a lot of it's got to do with compatibility. It, it really does. And, uh, you know, prices were good, you know, especially last year. There's been a lot of new turnover and a lot of new equipment. Um, you know, one of the things that I found this year is making sure that your equipment is set up exactly correct. It's probably been my biggest struggle. But once we get it set up correctly, we haven't had many tr struggles at all. So getting equipment set up right and, and using it has been one of the biggest things that we've we've had in the North Delta, especially in the Southeast. And it's only getting better. Every year people are turning over new equipment. As they're turning over new equipment, then we're having better compatibility. 
Well, well, Fran, I think if I I'm I may be mistaken, so you might have to correct me here, but I think the first visualization of a cotton picker going in the field was coming from you, if I remember right. Uh, that, a few years ago, we were getting into this. Can you talk about uh, just what it took to to get to that point? Well, I tell you what, there are some guys that really, really had to fight hard, you know, and all that because, you know. It's not the biggest, sexiest crop in the in the world, you know, but uh, had a lot of guys. And like I mentioned earlier, we, we have growers that are not plant only cotton. They plant everything. And what brought the, uh, you know, pushed the idea was because, hey, I like field view on corn and soybeans. I got this cotton crop out here that cost me $600, $700 an acre to plant and grow. And I need more help. And can y'all get this? And some of my friends, childhood friends, you know, they, you know, president of the cotton boards and things like that. And so uh, some of the people back in the day, you know, we got together, we huddled up and, you know, we just started capturing data off of the machines. And you got to remember, there weren't but a couple of machines that even had, to Brandon's point, they didn't even have a yield monitor because why? There wasn't a need for it. And so we had to convince some people that, it would work. And as Brandon's mentioned, the equipment's come along a lot of, a lot of trial and error, you know, riding along, capturing data, letting the engineering group, uh, sort all that information out to where today, you know, the four big picker models, you know, out in the stripper area and in the Delta, you know, now we can hook a drive to it and, uh, capture all that information. But a lot of nuances in uh, cotton pickers, you know, as far as what you're getting and having to decipher. And the funny part is the real first big time I saw the pickers was when I was driving in Ankeny, Iowa. And that's where they're made. Not in the South. <laughs> they put them, I tell them to put them on a barge and ship them down here. So, uh, But it's a lot of hard work that went into it. And a lot of growers that were very nice to let us work with them. And I can't thank them all enough for that. Yeah. I mean, the the grower involvement in getting, getting you know, a, a lot of our different technologies, you know, I mean, not not just uh, just FieldView, but I mean, a lot of the technologies that, uh, that we push out, uh, I mean, without our, our farmers that are participating, without the dealers that are backing them up and supporting us and without our teams on the ground, uh, it takes a lot of people, right, to, to, to drive that innovation, for sure. Well, one of the things I, I, I really look at it as, because when we launched Roundup Ready and Bullguard uh, in cotton, the insect trait, the, the bottom line is Montana was on the cutting edge, the tip of the spear, and guess what? You're going to make mistakes or you're going to stumble on things you got to always learn. Same thing in the digital world. You know, uh, I think FieldView was basically one of the first out there as far as, you know, grabbing that kind of data this kind of way without going in a thumb drive and all this. I mean, so I really appreciate those that 10 or 15% that have been here forever and a day and have really been working with us to uh, to solve issues and all that. Because look, it's electronics, you know, a uh, lightning storm might cause something, but you know what? I never take a, a guy calling and saying, hey, it's not doing this as a bad thing. It just tells you they're hungry. They want, they've eaten a potato chip and they can't eat just one. They want more. And usually to the point, they're already thinking about the future. They want more than even we can think of at sometimes because it doesn't happen overnight to get something done. 
Well, Brandon, I got to ask, uh, you know, as we uh, kind of wrap up here, um, if if you were to give a word of advice to the farmers that aren't on field view yet, what would be the advice to to, to get them over the hump, to, to get the iPad in there, the drive in there and start collecting data? Well, I think uh, I think Fran might have said it best earlier. Knowledge is power. Knowing your fields, knowing your individual fields, not just what a plot here or a plot there says. You know, my area, not what Union City says. What does your field say? What does each individual field say? And that is what Field View does. And if, you know, when being able to break it down and really dig into the data, and you don't have to understand it all at first. That's one of the biggest things that I see farmers is they think, oh, I got this started. I got to know everything about it. And that's where they get intimidated. No, let's find one thing that you relate with. Let's find one imagery that that really shows you something on your entire farm. And if you start understanding it, you're asked for that next bite and that next bite. Next thing you know, you become a super user and you don't even you didn't even realize it. You become a guy that is constantly digging his own data and not even realizing it. So I I challenge people all the time on, you know, yeah, you know your farm. And I don't want to say that I know your farm better than you because we don't. But if you have all the information that I have available at my fingertips and you know your farm that well, think about if you put the two together. When you put those two together, the amount of information that you have and the amount of knowledge, true knowledge that you have about your farm is unbelievable. And that's where Precision Ag as a whole is trying to get to, and especially with Field View, because it does break it down. So, I mean, we can go to row to row passes and look at the data in each individual row, which there's nothing else out there that does that. And that's the beauty of field view. And that's what I challenge people to get to. But I always challenge them, let's don't try to eat the whole whole pie in one bite. Let's Let's take bites. Let's get a fork, you know, maybe even a napkin. And let's let's go to town and um, so, but I, I do appreciate it. I, Brandon, I think that's uh, that's incredibly well said. So, uh, so you know, thank you for that. And uh, honestly, thank thank you to both of you to, to to honestly for for jumping on here, taking time out of your guys' busy schedule. I know again, this is a crazy time of year. <laughs> so, uh, so to, pulling you out of the field or having you sit down and join us here, I know uh, no takes a lot. So, thank you. And uh, and guys, I just wish you the best of luck on this uh, on this you know growing season this year. So thank you, Clint. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for the time, Clint. We uh, need to have you back down after the, after harvest, and we'll we'll talk more. Hey, sounds <laughs> great. I'd be happy to come down. So have a good one, guys. Hey, a big thank you to Fran and Brandon for joining us here today. That was a great conversation, and I learned a ton of new things about cotton. Also, thank you, the listener. If you like this podcast, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and share it with all your friends as well. Also, Around the Farm is brought to you by Climate Field View. And you can catch us wherever you listen to podcasts at, and be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. And with that, we'll see you around the farm.